Ironically, it's time for y'all to sit down and be quiet while the pastor comes and gives us the message this morning. So let's look to hear from the Word of God. All right. Good job. All right, that's enough rest. Go ahead and stand back. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. Everybody doing okay? Everybody doing all right? Yeah? Good? Awesome. I'm glad that you're doing all right. And uh, everybody enjoying life in general? Pretty much? Sort of? Not really? Maybe? Good. I'm enjoying life. I'm enjoying life. So um, I don't feel any older than last week. So not at all? Not in, not in order? Do what? Not at all. <clears throat> Nothing seems to be falling apart. Nothing seems, everything seems to be working. I can get up out of bed. I mean, it's, I don't have a walker, nothing like that. Do what? My ears are good, except for over here. And um, there's a frequency that Nicole talks on that I can't hear. Um. <laughs> huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. In case, yeah, I had a birthday on, on the Thursday, so <clears throat> that's what all that's about. So anyway, yeah, I, I just don't feel any older. I, I really, it's amazing how your mind just thinks you're still 18. Do you know what I mean? I mean, you wake up and sometimes you look in the mirror and you're like, who's that? Like all your friends on Facebook have really aged. <laughs> you know, you, you haven't, but all your Facebook friends have it really aged, but you, you just don't seem to. So anyway, um, <clears throat> I know I've done this a lot and I'll, I'll try to stop this, but I ran across one that I've ran across before, a cartoon, and one that was just absolutely brand new, and I just couldn't resist it. So I feel like I need to have two to have them. So here's the one I hadn't seen before. It says, it was only a minor earthquake, but the Etch-a-Sketch gallery was ruined. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. And then the next one, quit complaining and eat it. Number one, chicken soup is good for the flu. And number two, it's nobody we know. Awesome. Okay, turn your Bibles to Leviticus chapter 23. Leviticus chapter 23. Now, the series is called Calendaring, okay? And I want to keep that in front of us because what often happens when we hit Leviticus chapter 23, we think in terms of that these are just celebrations that the people have, and we forget that God was really trying to do something. He was trying to get these people to rotate their calendar around celebrating Him, okay? And, good, and his goodness and what he was doing for them. He wanted them to take time out of the appointed times or the ordinary times and have sacred times where they were reminded that he existed and he was the reason that they existed. So I want to keep this calendaring thing in front of us as we discuss like some of what's in chapter 23 because that's exactly what he's doing. He's setting up a calendar for a new nation. So begin reading with verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, these are the appointed feasts of the Lord that you shall proclaim as holy convocations. Holy means set apart and convocations means assemblies. So you have to come together. They are my appointed feast. They're holy, <clears throat> different than your ordinary days. In verse three, six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath, a solemn rest, a holy convocation or holy assembly, you shall do no work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwelling places. 
So the whole calendar that he's setting up has a base in the six days of ordinary work and one day of holiness, set aside holiness and assembly. So there's six days, you work, you do your stuff, you, you provide for your family, you, you do the grind, you do all that kind of stuff. And then there's this one day where you stop all your ordinary work and you set it aside and it's a holy day. It's a day that you assemble to learn more about God. It's a day that you rest. It's a day that, that you set aside for God. So your, your weeks during the year revolves around that one day. Six days, one day. Six days, one day for God. Six days, one day for God. Now, in, in Scripture, it's absolutely amazing how many times the Sabbath is mentioned from Genesis all the way through Revelation. Even Hebrews talks about Sabbaths and Sabbath rest and entering the Sabbath rest, which, by the way, as I've said before, is a commentary on the book of Leviticus, is, is what that book is. So you've, you've got this kind of day of rest and day set aside and, and this Sabbath day going on. Now, there's some people that believe that the Sabbath was just for the Jews. Well, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll give you that sort of. But in the New Testament, Jesus talks about the Sabbath over and over and over again. And he's constantly trying to tell people it is a day of rest and this is what the Sabbath should be. In fact, Jesus in the New Testament will tell you that the Sabbath had become something that it shouldn't have been because there was a lot of rules that were attached to it. Can you believe that there were those type of religious people back in Jesus' day? You know, those strict religious people that added like you have to wear certain things to church and have to do. Can you believe that that actually occurred in Jesus' day? Yeah, there's nothing new under the sun, right? So here's a group of people that added a bunch of rules. So Jesus is, is in the New Testament saying, no, those are added rules and this is really what the Sabbath is about. That is wrong, this is right. This is what God intended. And I know because I'm God and that caused him trouble right? So, so this Sabbath thing goes all the way through the whole New Testament. And the basic thing that we can come away from is that you and I need to have one day a week that we set aside to sit in the presence of God and think about him. A day we set aside during the week where we say, hey, this, this is the day that we're going to think about God and we're not going to do ordinary work. That, that, is, that is what the lesson is. Now, why do we worship on Sunday? Well, first reason, Jesus Christ rose on Sunday. <clears throat> That's the first reason why we do that. The second reason is more of a historical reason. Constantine, in history, made a law that there were to be no work on Sunday, on the first day of the week. And he did it because he was becoming Christian. Now, I don't know if Constantine was, was saved or not. I, I really don't know. Some people say he was. Some people say he, he wasn't. I, if he's in heaven, I'm going to be ecstatic. Is that fair enough? Okay. What I do know is he baptized people, you know, a whole army to make them Christians. Probably most of those people were not Christians just because they got a little bit wet. Come on, that, that was sort of funny, but maybe not really. But it's kind of funny, you know. What if I brought a palm leaf in here one Sunday and I didn't know who was unsaved? I'm going to make sure they're all saved. Just spreading the water. 
dip, spread, dip, spread. I think I would be more efficient. It would be a super soaker, <laughs> holy water weapon, right? And if I really felt someone really needed it, I'd just aim it a little, you know, a little more at him. But nonetheless, you know, he's the one that started this. So, so we have this Sunday thing, and, and we've had that really up until recently, well, in my history, in our country where Sunday was a set-aside day and businesses were closed. Do you know that there's still places in the world that do this? For instance, Germany does this. Sunday is a day that you do not work. And in fact, if you turn on, in some areas, if you turn on your lawnmower on Sunday, the police will come to your house and give you a citation. Yeah. So it's, it's very, a very serious thing. So, so this rest thing, this rest thing. So what does the Bible say about this particular a day? Well, here we go. Six days work shall be done. But on the seventh day is a Sabbath, a solemn rest, a holy convocation, a holy convocation. You shall do no work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwelling places. The first thing, it's a holy day. It's a set-aside day. It is a different day than any other day. It is different than an ordinary day. This is how they started the Sabbath in the Old Testament, okay? And probably in the New Testament, too. I just don't have any background for that particular one. I'm just assuming it went into the New Testament. So what happened was a guy took a trumpet called a shofar and he got on top of the highest building in the village or in the city and he blew it one time. And the first time that he blew it, all the people from the field stopped working and they came in to their homes, to their houses the second time that horn was blown, and he waited a little bit. <clears throat> I don't know how much time, but they waited. The second time he blew that horn, horn, all commerce, all marketplace stuff, you were supposed to shut it down at that moment. So he blew this horn, and it was a sign in the city, in the town, that you cannot sell anything else. You were done. Pack up shop. You're taking a day off. Okay? The third time and the final time that he would blow that horn was uh, sometime later after the people were in their homes. So the people would get to their homes after they, you know, packed up the market, after they came in from the field, and they would do work. They would, like, clean up their house in preparation for the holy day, okay? So, so they would try to get this done before the sun, the moon came up to a certain point. Anyway, they were trying to get this done because once that horn blew, you couldn't do any work in your house. I don't... I don't know if you know this or not, and I'm not trying to be crude here. I'm just trying to, you know, just trying to say something. Um, have you ever known, like, if your child has a problem um, going to the bathroom, okay? Here's what you do. You say, come on, let's wash the dishes. Because it's something about that moment where you say, wash the dishes, that automatically they have to go to the bathroom. Has this ever happened in your house before? When you say that, all of a sudden, Quinn's gone. Aurora's gone. Where are they at? They're in the bathroom. We're washing the dishes. And they time it perfectly to where you're finished with the dishes by the time they come out. So if, if your child is having issues, just ask them to do the dishes over and over during the day. And I guarantee you, it'll solve the... Oh, come on. That's really good. That's really good. So the point is, in this house, they're trying to get the dishes done. They're trying to get everything set up and ready for the very next day. And when that horn blew, everything in their house had to stop. 
absolutely stopped. It started the day of rest. So Sabbath would actually start on Friday evening and end on Saturday evening. That was their day. So Friday evening, Saturday evening. That final blow of the trumpet would be, we're done until the next Saturday evening. And when the sun sets, you can get back to your ordinary work, the ordinary stuff that you do. I, I think that this is a brilliant idea that you stop the night before Sunday occurs. I think it's a brilliant idea. Now, I do it every week, <clears throat> just about. Um, it, I do it because of what I'm doing right now. Like at 2 o'clock on Saturday afternoon, I sit down with the notes that I have, and I try to polish them to get them ready for what I'm about to present here. I've done a lot of preparation and now I'm at the final like stages of molding it together and getting it together. I'll tell you, sometimes I opt for a nuclear option and I blow the whole thing up and then bring it back together in that time period because that's just the way I am. Sometimes that happens, sometimes it don't. Sometimes I add something or subtract something. That's where I cut. That's where I do a bunch of stuff. So I'm starting to prepare my mind for this moment because if, I know if I don't, I'm not going to be ready. So during that process, I repent of my sins and I tried to make sure that that relationship between me and God is what it needs to be so that I can be used in this moment, okay? Um, and, so, and so I really do. So Saturday, Saturday evening, I try not to do much on Saturday evening. I, I try to sit at home. I try to review my notes. I try to get my mind ready for today. And as I was studying for this a couple months ago, it hit me. This is a great idea for Christians, this would be a great idea for Christians. On Saturday evening, that you would stop a moment and you would say, hey, I'm going to church tomorrow. I need to get into that mindset. So the music in your home changes, what you watch on TV changes, what you were doing changes. Everything kind of changes for that moment. And you're starting to think through, I'm going to church tomorrow and I'm getting my heart ready for what God wants to do in this moment right here. Brilliant that he was telling the people that before they go to bed at night, that's when the Sabbath started and you needed to start sitting in my presence, resting in me on that evening. Because God knew that it takes a certain amount of time to transition from the ordinary grind of things to a holy moment where you are resting and really in his presence. Are, are you tracking? It, it takes a while. I, I'll tell you this. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of Christians that wouldn't be doing the things they do on Saturday night, coming to church the next day and having to repent before they get here if they would operate by this. Oh, I know. I know, I know. But it's true. Like if you chose to just sit and start getting into a holy mindset on Saturday evening and that's what you decided to start doing your demeanor on Sunday morning wouldn't have to be, Lord, I'm sorry for those sins. I'm sorry for those sins. I'm sorry for the sins, which please don't take me wrong, is a waste of time, right? That you have created, that I have created. I think every time that I spend, I fall in some way during the week and I have to repent and have to work through the guilt and the conviction and all of that. I say those prayers and in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you know, this is a waste of time. Jesus died 
so I would not have to deal with this sin, but I have chosen to deal with the sin. I've chosen to be in that sin, a sin that he's given me freedom from. Are you tracking? And so what, you know, we waste time, but it's, it's not wasted in the sense that we have to get our heart right. But man, I, I want to be praying on Saturday for today, for you, for the people here, for God to move a more positive thing. I don't want to spend a ton of time just trying to get my heart right. I want something to be different. I want to live a different way to where I'm not just attached to all these sins in my life. So I think it's a great idea to start on Saturday evening. Make it a point. The sun goes down, you start thinking about church, laying out clothes for your kids, for your family, thinking about what you're going to wear, what they're going to wear, um, whatever, and just get all that settled down. I think sometimes the reason that we are so stressed getting to church is because we didn't prepare for worship the night before. We didn't rest. We didn't sit back. So we get in late, and then we have to get up in the morning and try to get here by 11 o'clock, even though we go to jobs that start at 7.30. Right? I'm just trying, I'm not trying to be, but I'm trying to be. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So you, you, you get started the day before. I think it's a great idea. I just think it's a great idea. So I want to show you Genesis chapter 2, verse 3. It says this. It's actually verses 1 through 3. Thus, the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. In your Bible and in my Bible, this is the first time anything was set aside as being holy and sacred. It's the first time. So long before the law was written... God was saying, you need to rest. And long after Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid the penalty for our sins, he's telling you today, you need a day of rest. It hasn't stopped. This is something that continues. But the reason I bring up this particular verse of Scripture, these verses of Scripture, is the, is the last part of it. It says, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now, in that verse is two Hebrew words that we use for creation. One is called Barah, and the other is called Asa. So one of them you can see, and one of them you can't in English, right? I mean, everybody sees the one, just the last word. You need to shake your head, because I don't know if you can see, right? You can see it, good. You can see it, I figured you could. So in creation. Now that particular word for creation in the Old Testament, and I've looked, I've looked at a ton of passages. I cannot find a passage where Barah is not attached to God and his breathing things into existence. It is always attached to God. God breathing things into existence. God creating things out of nothing. I don't know about you, but I can't create something out of nothing. I can create a lot of nothing, right? But I can't create anything out of nothing. It is absolutely impossible. In fact, everything that we create has to do with what God has already breathed into existence. Does that not just boggle your mind that there were the stars, there were the galaxies, there was the breath that he breathed into the first man. 
That is crazy amazing. So God breathed things into existence. Barak is only attached to him. But here, in this passage, the other word for creation, and I didn't catch this until a couple months ago, is that word done in creation. And that word done is, in, is a creation. We, we create and we work and we create and we work because we create stuff to sell and we create wealth and we create things in our life. Do you see? It's a connection. But that word done there is actually what you have accomplished during the six days. And that word is used almost all the time of humans and their work. Us, you, and I. It has to be, right? Because the other one's just used of God. So this one is used of humans and their work. So what he is saying here is that we should imitate what God does. He is using our word for creation. The things that we have accomplished in six days, after the six days, we stop and we rest from our creating, from what we have done. Isn't that beautiful? So we imitate God. In a sense here, God is telling you and I not to imitate animals. You know, animals never quit working. I know y'all have dogs, and they do not do any work. In fact, if I believed in reincarnation, I think coming back as a dog is another level up from being human. In my neighborhood, people walk behind the dogs and scoop up their poop after they do it. And I know I shouldn't be talking about all this. I talked about that before and I talked about this, but you should come back as a dog. You eat great, you get cuddled, you don't have to do anything. You don't, wouldn't it? Heaven would be a dog's life, right? Not a cat's. They're in the other place. They're in the other place. Yeah. Yeah. They're in the other place. But nonetheless, you know, a dog. So, so like, He's trying to tell you, you are not an animal. You are not a work animal. You are something better. The Sabbath reminds us that we're supposed to imitate God and we're supposed to rest in the fact that our value doesn't come from what we have accomplished. It comes from the fact that we have been created by the breath of Almighty God. Isn't that beautiful? And we sit and we relax and we say, yes, we accomplished this, but we only accomplished it by the grace that God has given us. We do not hold things together. He does. And we're going to sit here and we are going to rest. We are going to rest. You are loved by God just because you exist. That's it. Nothing you have done. For God so loved the world that when it was away sinful and running from him, he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He loves you because you exist. So he's saying, stop a moment and remember your value. Stop and remember your value value. You're loved. You're loved. Um, but 
I'll tell you this, the Sabbath is not just about your relationship with God. It's about your relationship with other people as well. I don't know if you know this or not. You might know this. The Ten Commandments start with loving God and ends with loving people. And the transition command is the command of the Sabbath. It's the fourth commandment. We have this loving God. He's supposed to be the only one that you love. You're not supposed to love any other gods. And then it's take a day of rest, keep the Sabbath, make it holy. And then it tells you how to love people. Don't steal, don't kill, don't covet, don't... Right? Because if you steal, you didn't love the person. If you killed the person, you didn't do that in love. Oh, come on, right? Right? If you did all this. So it's, it's love God, love people. So this Sabbath thing kind of hinges on this idea to love God and love people. And this is something that we often miss with the Sabbath. But Jesus didn't. So I want you to turn your Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. <clears throat> By the way, if you, if you hear me sniffing a little bit, it's not COVID. Okay. Um, that dry air and stuff sometimes get to me. It gets to me. And last night it was like 17 degrees outside. So we have this space heater because your heat pump doesn't work below 34 degrees. Mine doesn't. Yours might, but it must be something special. Mine doesn't. So there's a lot of dry air. So I have this dry air. I know this is so 2019, but <laughs> there you go. Um, chapter 12, verses 1 through 8 is really should be one of the Baptist's top 10 favorite portions of Scripture because what Jesus says here in those verses is that you can eat on the Sabbath. It's okay to take something, prepare it, and eat it. So you should be very thankful for that. As Baptists, that should be like, yeah, this is the greatest passage in the world. Um, soup fellowship, woo! All right. Verse 9 is where we're going, though. Because I didn't have enough to develop that. So verse 9, he went on from there and entered their synagogue. And a man was there with a withered hand. And they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So that they might accuse him. Can, can I just stop here a moment? These people really believed that they were doing the work of healing. Or they wouldn't have asked that question. Have you ever thought about that? Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Because I can heal people. No, you can't. Crazy. It's, it's, that's amazing to me. Verse 11, he said to them, which one of you has a sheep? If it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out. Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Jesus is saying here, he's making a statement. Your ordinary work needs to stop, but your good works do not need to stop. It is okay to do good deeds on the Sabbath. It is okay to go to your neighbor's house and help them with the electrical problem. 
That is not work. It is a good deed. It is a good deed for you to go to your neighbor's house and maybe rake the leaves in their yard because that is a good deed. It is okay to do good deeds. It's okay for God to heal on the Sabbath and do that good deeds. And he says here, so it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. It is okay to do good. It is okay to help your church member that has a flat tire on the side of the road change that flat tire. That is not not resting. You can still rest and help them with that task. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Yes, it does. I don't know about you, but there's some things, some jobs that I can do at home that will absolutely wear me out. It's not because of my age. It's because I really don't like doing them. I don't get a kick out of doing them. It's a check in the box, but it just kind of makes me tired. I can do that same job at somebody else's house and leave their house just absolutely energized because I've done something good for someone else. Do you have that same experience? So God is saying, the world says, live for you and accomplish, live for you and accomplish, live for you and accomplish. And so why are you taking the seventh day off? That is unproductive for where you want to be in life. But God says, no, I want you to do, be different. I want you to do good deeds for other people to show that I exist and to show that there is love in the world and concern for other people. So he says to do good deeds for other people. Isn't that great? And doing those good deeds, you're not getting paid for them. Doing those good deeds is not work. It is rest. You know, some good deeds that you can also do is you can have people over to your house. I don't know if you're aware of this, but there's a lot of Christians that are lonely. They do their grind during the week, right? And on Sunday, they're taking the day of rest, but they're, it's, it's just lonely. And sometimes a good deed is having some church people over to your house to eat, to play games, to sit around and talk, to, to play stuff. I look, I play stuff. When I say that, some of, some of the greatest times that I've had with people on a Sunday is I bring my guitar over and they, they have uh, instruments and you just sit in a circle and you play. I absolutely enjoy that. That might not be your thing. I mean, you might be a chips and dip with everybody. You, you know what I'm saying? That's perfectly fine. You can crunch those like in a rhythm. It doesn't matter. Don't worry about that. But, you know, just playing in kind of, kind of a circle, it, it is amazing how soothing that is. And to have people over to your house helps. It is a good deed. It helps with people's loneliness. Listen, that's why we have small groups. One of the reasons. It's a community of people that get together and they can be with each other and they can have each other and not be alone. There are more Christians that feel alone than you realize. And they just need that fellowship. And God says, why don't you do a good deed and have them over to your house? Why don't you do a good deed and spend some time with them on this day? Why don't you take the time for someone else instead of the ordinary days where most of what you do is for yourself? I'm not saying that you don't do stuff for other people during the week, but what I am saying, you work during the week for a paycheck. You work during the week to have money in the bank. You work during the week to pay your mortgage. You work during the week to pay for things and and supply for your kids, and you should do that. But take one day, rest in God, and love him, 
and love people. That's what he's saying. Now, I want you to turn to John chapter 5. I love this passage. In fact, I have to be very careful not to preach another message during this particular portion. But John chapter 5, that's where we're at. And this is what it says. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. That's five layers. In these lay a multitude of individuals, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. That means that he's older than 38 years old. Don't miss that. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had already been there a long time. And he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered to him, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, uh, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, get up, take your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. That day was the Sabbath. First, we need to understand that Jesus did not heal everybody like he was here. He healed a lot of people, but he didn't heal everybody. And he healed this man for some reason. This is the man that he chose. This is the man that he healed. And he told that man on the Sabbath to take up his bed and take his bed home. That means that him carrying his bed to his house to put it away was not work. It wasn't work. In fact, you need to think in terms that him carrying his bed on the Sabbath day in that culture was really a testimony that something miraculous had been done to him. So as he carried his bed, he carried with him a testimony of an amazing work of Almighty God. So the bed, it says, take up your bed. And it was on the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is a Sabbath and it's not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, um, the man who healed me, the man said to me, take up your bed and walk. He, he healed me, told me to take my bed up and walk. Verse 12, and they asked him, Who's the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now, the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. And afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well, sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. Now, this means, that verse means that there was a sin involved And him needing healing. There was something that he had done that brought him into that position of being paralyzed. It was a sin. Now, is all sickness sin? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But this man, there was something that he had done wrong. There was something, we don't know what it was, 
but it caused him to be paralyzed. And Jesus is saying, sin no more. Do not do that again. Do not go back to the place that you were because of your sin. Is everybody tracking? Everybody tracking? So it brings me to this point. The Sabbath is a day to stop. It's a day to stop sinning. Now, you might not spell stop that way. So just to be all-inclusive, I have the alternate spelling. <laughs> Sorry. That's not how you spell stop. It doesn't even have the letters at it. But people stop at that stinking circle right down the road here. <laughs> and they wait. I don't know what they're waiting on. Nobody's coming. Nobody's coming off the interstate. Nobody's coming in the other direction. They're just sitting there looking at the circle. It's a circle. Push the gas pedal. Yield. Go. There's no car going to get you. But normal people spell it like this. So listen. Sabbath is a holy day set aside from ordinary days. And I don't know about you, but during my ordinary days, I don't always act correctly. The Sabbath is a day that you rest in God's arms. You rest in the value that God has given you. And you say this, what sins do I need to confess to my Lord and Savior that I do not want to follow me into this next week, this next six days? Which ones do I not want to repeat in my house? Which ones do I not want to repeat at my job? Which ones do I not want to repeat and you Ask God to forgive you of them and you ask him for his power and his guidance to not do them again the next six days. That, ladies and gentlemen, is how you become more and more like Christ over a period of time. People that constantly work and constantly work and constantly work and constantly work do not take the time to think about if what they are doing is right or wrong the way that they're working, the way that they're treating people, the way that they're doing this. They don't take the time to sit down and think, am I treating them correctly? Am I acting correctly? Am I doing correctly according to God? And God says this, the Sabbath, yes, is to remember that I rested. The Sabbath, yes, is to remember, hey, that you are important, but the Sabbath rest is for you to stop a moment and consider how you lived the last six ordinary days and is there things that need to change? And I'm telling you, there's always something for me to change and there's always something for you to change. Always. You may be part of, of, a, of a company and you treated one of your fellow employees incorrectly. You lost your temper. You said some things that you shouldn't have said. And what you need to do is ask God to forgive you at this moment Ask him to help you not do that the next six days and then say, tomorrow morning, I'm going up to Joe and I'm gonna tell Joe, I am sorry for the way I acted. I acted incorrectly. I treated you incorrectly. I did not treat you with love and I'm so sorry. Listen, if you do that, please don't do it this way that I'm about to tell you. Joe, I'm sorry for the way I treated you, but I was right. <laughs> don't do that. Listen, truth will outlast your pride. 
If you are really right, you're going to be right. You don't have to tell Joe that you were right. What you need to tell Joe is that you're sorry for the way that you acted. I'm sorry for that. And then you don't treat Joe that way, even though you might have to stand for the same truth. Are you tracking? You may have workers that work for you and maybe they did something wrong and maybe you treated them incorrectly. On Monday morning, humble yourself and tell them, I'm sorry for the way I treated you last week. Don't say, but I was right and you should obey me anyway and you were an idiot. Don't, don't do that. Just apologize. Apologize to them and go on to the next moment. Have a real apology. That's a brilliant idea, by the way. Just a real apology. I'm sorry. And let it, let it go. You don't have to prove that you're right after your apology. You know, you're just trying to save your your humility at that point, right? Trying to get back up to where you had the edge. Just say you're sorry. You may have, have done other things that you shouldn't have done over the last six days. You ask God to forgive you of them and you start the very next day, on Monday, you start and you say, I'm not going to do that today. I'm going to have a different week this week than I had last week. And God is saying, you stop and you consider your week, what you did good and what you didn't do so good. And you change what you didn't do well and leave it. And you capitalize on the stuff that you actually did well. That is how you change. And you cannot change unless you have a day of rest. You cannot change unless you have a Sabbath. You cannot change unless you take time to self-reflect and see what you need to improve on the inside. You can't do it. Do you see why the Sabbath is so important? Why the day of rest is so important? It's so important. It's so important for your Christian walk. It's so important for, for what, the way you live. It is so important for your walk with God. And God doesn't want you to go Seven ordinary days. He wants you to just do six and take a day for just him. So do that. Do that. And you'll be better for it. That's all I got. That's it. I'm out. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the stage you've given us. Um,